This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back to the Swamp 24 7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here today by Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, I hope you had a good Christmas. I know that uh, it was enjoyable for me being able to spend a couple days away from football, uh, but really not a whole lot of time. I mean, you know, this time of year, we we're usually getting into bowl games. And I think the, the real difference this year was that we didn't really have any time on the front end. Uh, this year, with, you know, Florida obviously playing in the SEC championship game on December 19th, and then you turn around and December 30th on tomorrow, I guess, they're going to play a bowl game against Oklahoma. So, uh, I guess first off, let's talk about kind of the structure for Florida, you know, coming into this bowl game. Obviously, Dan Mullen has stressed repeatedly that he felt like his guys were kind of emotionally and physically worn down, uh, mentally worn down, with just the, you know, the amount of different stress factors that existed, you know, obviously in this COVID-19 season. So Florida really didn't do anything other than, you know, some virtual Zoom meetings, uh, you know, in the first half of, you know, kind of the week and a half period leading up to the bowl game. They finally regrouped. They had a couple practices in Gainesville the last couple days, and then last night flew over to the bowl site, and now they're there. Blake, I think the the most important thing for us to start to talk about is the opt-outs. At this point, Florida's had some pretty significant opt-outs. Kyle Pitts will not play in the game. Trayvon Grimes will not play in the game. Kadarius Toney will not play in the game. And then another guy who is kind of in that receiver mix that's not opting out is Jacob Copeland, who's out with COVID-19, he tweeted. and kind of gave us confirmation on that. So Florida Blake is going to be without their Marco top Wilson four receivers. Too, on the defensive side. Yeah, reportedly Marco Wilson will also be out for the game. So, Blake, I guess what's your take kind of going into this game? What do you make of the opt-outs? Is it um, – I don't know. I guess just what's your take on that? Because I know that's kind of a hot-button topic for a lot of people. You know, I, I think obviously the fact that Kyle Trask, first and foremost, you know, if there's some kind of change before – this podcast is is released or, you know, before the game's played, I guess the silver lining of, you know, the guys that are missing is, is at least you're going to have your Heisman finalist quarterback in, in Kyle Trask, who does a good job of reading the field. He's very good at his reads. He, the offense in general, you would like your, your signal caller there. You would like your quarterback there and especially a guy with the experience that Kyle Trask brings. So that's good. But in the same sense, when you look at the, some of those wide receivers that Florida's going to be missing, um, you know, you look at Pitts, you look at Grimes, you look at Tony just in the fir- you know, the, the forefront there. I mean, if you look at the percentage of completions that, you know, that have looked Trask way that he's looked at those guys, I mean, those are the focal points. That's that core group of Florida's receivers group. And then if you started going on the, you know, the outside looking in types guys, you get to Copeland, you get to guys like Justin Shorter. So, you know, having Copeland gone, I think that it's, 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 it's tough, man, because you look at what Florida has done through the air this year. I mean, the, the running game really hasn't been an area that they focused on, or it's either a combination of they just haven't been able to run the ball or they just have, you know, continued to ride that hot hand of Trask. I mean, I guess what I'm getting at, man, is that, you know, the, those wide receivers is really what, you know, made Florida's offense run along with Trask, who's good at facilitating the ball. But uh, I'm interested to see how Trask is going to be able to fare out there when he's missing, you know, his three top targets on the offensive side. 
It's definitely going to be interesting. I do think we'll probably see a little bit of a different game plan from Florida, if I had to guess. I would imagine that Dan Mullen is going to want to kind of, I don't want to say protect Kyle Trask, but understand that Kyle Trask is putting a lot on the line by stepping out there, particularly without his four top targets. You know, just not not necessarily so much from what, you know, NFL scouts may see out of this individual game, but just injury-wise. You know, you're, you are risking an injury going out there, and that's obviously why some of these guys are opting out, I think. Um, but I would expect that we see a good bit more of Emory Jones in this game. I think, one, it's kind of a developmental opportunity for 2021. But I the do theme think- of practice has seemed to be young guys, young guns, you know, all well, those kind of things. Yeah. That seems and, – and that's not crazy because – Typically, I mean, it's, it's either getting the bowl practices or getting the bowl experience in a game that, you know, you get those younger guys. But it is, does seem like the Florida coaching staff has continued to talk about this chance for younger guys. So, you know, I think you're, you're looking on the right where I'm looking at at least. Yeah, and a lot of that's by necessity. I just think, you know, knowing that you, your top pass, pass catchers are out, basically, there's no reason not to try to build a little bit more of a running element into your game plan against Oklahoma. You know, obviously, Oklahoma's defense has kind of been up and down, but, you know, has really kind of – established itself a little bit later in the year. Um, so, you know, it'll be a test for Florida. But I do think, to your point, this is a game where, in a lot of ways, you're going to be forced to play youngsters. But I do think that even if you weren't, I think it would be an opportunity for Dan Mullen and company to take a look at some of these younger guys. You know, it's going to be a really, really positive opportunity for guys like Trent Whittemore, for Jamarcus Weston, for Xavier Henderson, for Jaquavian Frazier's. All these guys are going to have a chance to really kind of put together a performance that shows the coaches, hey, you should be looking at me before you look at anybody else next year. And I think that's ultimately kind of what it's going to come down to. Obviously Florida loves to spread the ball. Um, but when you talk about having to replace guys like Kyle Pitts, like Trayvon Grimes, like Darius Tony, Florida is looking for its alpha playmaker next year. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And this is a chance. I think you're not going to cement any jobs with a bowl game against Oklahoma, but you can absolutely give yourself a big leg up. If you're say a Trent Whittemore and you come in and you put together a really good game, in a, in a situation where, yeah, I mean, there may not be as much hype on bowl games like this as there has been in the past, given what the college football playoff has become, but it's still a big game. I mean, this is number six versus number seven. It's a national stage playing in Jerry World, you know, Cowboy Stadium. So there's a lot on the line, I think. Um, Blake, let me, let me ask you this. Is there any guy that you would expect to kind of take advantage of the stage and, and really shine? You know, I think Xavier Henderson is one for me that's pretty interesting. And I say that just because he's obviously a true freshman. Um, you know, this is, if you want to call it year zero for some of these guys, just it being a free year, it's this entire year, any any game experience he got, any snaps he got, it's all, you know, just extra practice, so to say, for him. You know, whether it's a game, whether it's practice, whether it's any of those things. So I'm interested to see because those guys that opted out of this game, I mean, not adding Copeland into the equation because at all intents purposes, he would have played had he been able to. But I think I'm interested the most this year to see that wide receiver group for next year because you're not, I mean, unless something changes there, I mean, you're not going to see the amount of guys through the portal or that, you know, the senior guys. I mean, you know, they've had the luxury of having guys like Van Jefferson the years he was there, Trevon Grimes the years he was there out of the portal. You haven't really seen, you know, even Kadarius Toney was, a, you know, more of an upperclassman whenever Florida got in there. And I think for the most part, he developed his game a lot under Mullen. But you knew he was that shifty gadget type of guy. I mean, you 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 knew what those guys were made of and what they were going to do. And I think now you see a lot of the youth in there. You see some of the younger guys that, 
Mullen staff has recruited out of high school. And I'm interested to see those guys and how they fare. You know, you know, Jamarcus Weston, you know, uh, you know, Jaquavion Frazier's. But I think the one out of all those guys, I mean, Xavier Henderson, we knew he was a baller coming out of high school. He had the ranking to go with it. He had, you know, a state championship coming out of his, uh, his senior year of high school. He's got the size. He's got the speed. And I'm really interested to see him just from lack of necessity, like you say. I think he's going to be one of their top targets out there just because he brings that big frame. He has that speed. He can catch the ball. So him being that young guy, that freshman, I'm really interested to see how he does whenever he's looked at as the guy you know you're not going to have those upperclassmen those older guys that you know you you expect Trask to look his way so I'm, I'm interested to see you know I'd also like to see Emory Jones get in there as well just because being a guy a fan of college football and you know I, you know I've already kind of turned the page you know on to you know well, who's going to be the guy next year how's the offense going to work next year so I, I would really like to see some connection there how that works but I mean I, I mean you have to play Trask I mean he's the guy he's at the hot hand but I'm interested to see. I think, you know, Xavier Henderson is the one that jumps out the most to me just because being a young guy. I'm interested to see how he can take that load of being, you know, more of a focal target for the offense. Well, I think, too, you know, we talked about how different we expect Florida's offense to look next year with Emory Jones running things. I think it's going to be a much more run-heavy attack, and I think the threat of Emory Jones to be able to step to the line of scrimmage and really kind of freeze defenders because of his running ability, that, to me, screams big playability for Xavier Henderson. You talk about his speed. When you suddenly throw in that quarterback run element that can freeze defenses just a little bit, Henderson's got the kind of speed to take the top off a of defense. And so I think he's a guy that will probably be a breakout player next year. Um, but I'm actually curious to see his, his teammate, his classmate, Jaquavian Frazier's, because he's a guy that I know you were extremely high on after, you know, kind of those All-American. Big leagues. senior year. Big senior in an All-American game. And I think, to me, he's a little bit more solid from a frame standpoint than Henderson. He is. And I think when you talk about losing guys like Kyle Pitts and Trayvon Grimes, those are the kind of guys that have been able to use their frame to really kind of orchestrate that back shoulder throw. And I don't know if Emory's going to be able to throw that ball as well as Kyle Trask does, but I think from a, a like-for-like replacement standpoint, I think Henderson is a little bit of a different breed. I think he's kind of his own guy, and I expect him to be really good too, but I'd like to see what Jukravi and Frazier's can do. And I think the fact that he was behind you know, Xavier Henderson in kind of the pecking order this year probably says it's more about playbook and he's, you know, he's getting used to the playbook and developing that way. Uh, but I think from a physical standpoint, he's probably going to play a good bit of snaps in this game. And I just want to see physically, you know, how does he hold up against, you know, the jam? How does he get, you know, get in and out of his breaks? What does he look like? Because I think those two probably more so than anybody are kind of your prototypical big sec physical receivers. The cyborg types that Mullen and Billy Gonzalez. Exactly. And, and, and I, not that, you know, not that Trent Whittemore is not a great athlete. Um, not that Jamarcus Weston can't, can't be a productive player, but from, from a purely looks and athleticism standpoint, to me, those two true freshmen really, really are guys that are going to have really high upside. And I want to see what they look like. Like one other thing I wanted to talk about kind of in, in previewing this bowl game, you know, it was a big focus kind of leading into the SEC championship game, that offensive line, and whether or not they would kind of re-tinker with things to try to fix that right side of the offensive line. We kind of saw them do it a little bit against Alabama, but maybe not as much as we had hoped. Do you think this is a game where they say, all right, we don't really have anything to lose anymore at this point. Let's play Josh Braun, you know, 40, 50 snaps. Let's play Ethan White the entire game. Or do you think Florida's going to kind of stick with what we've seen? I think they stick with what we've seen, and I say that just because you just at the at most points of the season you've wondered, you know, when are they going to make the change? You know, the right side of the offensive line. I mean, it's it's pretty much copy and paste for just about every game that that right side, maybe not the entire game, but at certain points you see that right side they struggle. So, and you know, I, I don't know that if you haven't seen them do that 
you know, some of these other games minus, you know, Josh Braun played a lot against Vanderbilt. You know, they played Ethan White, you know, against Vanderbilt, in some of those games, but I just don't know that I'm going to see them do that. You know, maybe if there's, if the game's out of reach, whether Florida's up or, you know, Oklahoma's up big, I, I guess I just, from what I've seen over the body of the season, I, I guess I just haven't seen enough to make me feel like they're going to do that. Oh man, that would be disappointing. If so, I, I just, to me, and, and this goes back to the, the conversation we had on the previous edition of the podcast about the importance of this game. I always go back and forth because I always tell people coaches never really try to develop for the future, usually actively within games. You know, they, the, first and foremost, the goal is to win the game. And from that standpoint, I, I can totally agree with you where you're coming from on that, that Florida's coaches may legitimately believe that, you know, DeLance and Stuart Reese give them the best chance to win the game. They stick with it unless it's out of hand, like you said. Um, but I go back to, I mean, really, does this game mean anything? No, and don't get me wrong. I think that they should. I think they should try some guys out for the future. But just from what I've seen over the season, I guess I just haven't seen enough to make me think that that's a possibility. And and that's fair. I just, to me, it's like, and and I know, you know, this goes against everything that a competitor would say. You know, the players, obviously, they all want to win. There's a reason Kyle Trask's playing. There's a reason Zach Carter's playing. Um, They want to win, man. You lace them up. You want to go out there and win. I just think from a coach's standpoint, not that you should sandbag and and do things that you know are going to cost you, but I think – with guys that you feel relatively comfortable with, but maybe are slightly unknown or slightly more unknown than the guys you've been going with, you know, Ethan White can play. I mean, you know, we've seen that. He was projected to get into the starting rotation. So obviously the coaches thought high enough of him at that time. And Josh Braun's shown some real flashes. I thought throughout this season, I just like to see what they can do a little bit more consistently, uh, a little bit, a little bit more consistently. Sorry. Um, And just, and just like, to me, I know that Dan Mullen has said it in the past that the way the bowl seasons work being so disconnected from, you know, the regular season in a traditional year where you've got like a month of practices leading in. It's really more of a preseason game for the next year. And not that it doesn't cap your season, not that you can't win a trophy and it it helps you with perception and all that. But to me, this year's just been so different. I think from a mental standpoint, I'm kind of in the mode of just work on things, you know, see what you've got with the younger guys. And that's fair considering the landscape of this year. That's definitely a fair point. And not only that, because we we don't know if there's going to be spring football. I mean, I would think that there would be. Given the fact that we've gotten through a full season, I would think that college programs will figure out a way to make spring football work. But you don't know for sure. And I just think don't pass up an opportunity. I mean, I I know that three losses would look bad going into the offseason. I know that you don't want to seemingly take a step back going eight and four after you go 11 and two the previous year. But – I, again, I go back to, I think you can point out ways that this season did take a step forward. You got to Atlanta, you beat Georgia. I mean, sure. those are things that you hang your hat on and then you start to figure out how do we eventually get past, you know, the next step, which is eventually beating Alabama, winning in Atlanta. And I think the only way you do that is stuff we've been talking about all year. You've got to start to develop some of these younger guys. I will say the comments from, from Todd Grantham, the comments from Dan Mullen, you seem to indicate that they're leaning in that direction as well. And you talked about it at the beginning of the show that they're leaning towards playing more youth. Um, but I want to see it. I want to see it in this game. No doubt. We've heard a lot of things in press conferences and they don't always come to uh, fruition. So much to um, fans chagrin. We have to see if that actually happens first. I do think that a lot of those younger guys, I think it does make a lot of sense to play them. And I think you bring up a lot of good points in the fact that, you know, if you don't have spring football, this is a chance to get real snaps, real reps against another team. It's not, you know, the shortened practices like they have. I, I, I've been saying they should do that on defense. I feel like since, I don't know, midway of the season, some part of the season, I feel like they've had to do that. It's just the offensive line, you know, you've seen the struggles on the right side of the ball. And I just, 
you know, if they hadn't made the changes whenever those guys were struggling in some parts of the season, I just don't know why they would do it now. But you do bring a good point, just the, the landscape of how the season is and how the bowl, you know, practices and all the games go. So, I mean, I would love to see, you know, Braun and, you know, or uh, Michael Tark went out there at right tackle just to see how they do. I just don't know that I have confidence that I'd see that. You can have confidence, Blake. Let me ask you this, and I'll, I'll go ahead and answer first. I don't think Florida's going to win this game. Uh, I think with the amount of opt-outs, I, I just see a hard time envisioning that. I have a hard time seeing it. Um, Same Z's. Okay. Well, that, that was going to answer my question. I'll, I won't press you on it too much because we don't want to depress people, but I just think there's, there's too many pieces missing for Florida. I think you know, they're banged up, maybe even beyond what, uh, you know, the opt-outs that are reported. So, um, okay. Well, that answers my question. Let's go ahead and take it into the second half of the show. Uh, we'll take a quick commercial break. And then when we, when we come back, we'll talk about some potential moves for the Florida football program going into the off season. And then the return of the basketball team. Uh, now that Keontae Johnson's doing a little bit better and the players have mentally regrouped and are ready to get back to action right after this commercial break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here today by Blake Alderman. Blake, let's talk a little bit about kind of even looking past this Cotton Bowl. And again, maybe that speaks to uh, the degree to which I think this game really doesn't matter. But... All the fans want to talk about right now is really what changes will Florida make going into the offseason. I think first and foremost, everybody wants to know if there are going to be defensive staff changes. I do not see Dan Mullen parting ways with Todd Grantham. I do not get that sense from him. And again, like you said earlier in the show, a lot of times what they say in press conferences doesn't necessarily pan out in reality. You know, there's certain reasons that as a coach, you're going to, you know, you're going to say the right things publicly and have your guys back. But I genuinely just don't sense that they're, of the mindset that Todd Grantham is the problem. So you mean to tell me that Dan and Todd were not arguing about who had their Christmas lights up on in the Kentucky game? <laughs> Something like just that. Just making sure I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, you know, and I, I, that's not to say it's a perfect relationship. Obviously, the two, you know, have had some fiery exchanges and whatnot, but I do not see – But I've, I've heard that that was their relationship at Mississippi State as well, that that's just how they both are. They're both just fiery guys. Dan is obviously very not – 
I mean, he's very upfront about speaking his mind, and I think Grantham is kind of the same way. So I don't know that those arguments are really anything like that's earth-shattering. I mean, sure, there's some defensive struggles. Sure, that leads to those kind of talks. And I mean, and, and it's, it's enough to speculate with how Florida has played this season to bring up the conversation that even if Grantham, you know, should he, shouldn't be, whatever, whatever. But, you know, those arguments, you know, they, they seem to just have happened, you know. I mean, I, I don't know that that's – I was more making a joke because that's what Mullen no, had no, said, you know, sure. as a, you know, just that's what he said while they were arguing about. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, just to, to point off that, you know, those have, those have been things that they were arguing about. I mean, they have those kind of tips. They just seem like both bold personalities. Well, and I think, I think, you know, when Dan Mullen steps back to look at it, I go back to his comment about when I start to feel like what we're doing from a schematic standpoint on defense is no longer sound. That's when I'll make a change. And, you know, I've had issues with how Florida runs the scheme at certain points, even dating back to last year. Um, but I do think you can make the case, like we talked about, that there's personnel issues on this defense. I mean, you know, when, when one guy like Kyrie Campbell is able to tank your entire defense pretty much, that's a problem, and that's a personnel problem. And, you know, ultimately, in the, at the end of the day, Grantham and Mullen are responsible for those personnel problems. But I don't get the sense that, you know, that it's definitely – the end of Todd Grantham this year. I just don't get that. I honestly don't think the bowl game is going to create a whole lot of additional pressure in that regard from Mullen's standpoint. I think obviously the fans, you know, if, if Florida turns in a really lackluster game against a very good Oklahoma offense, it's going to ratchet things up in the fan base. But I think what's more likely to happen is Florida makes a few positional coach changes. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe they sit pat. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I do think it's a lot about getting some of the more talented younger players in. Like, am I wrong there? I mean, it, does Florida need more systemic changes on that side, in your opinion? You know, I, I think, sure, some guys in the secondary you could talk about. You know, I don't just – you know, it's hard to say is, is it the big scheme overall as defensive coordinator, is it them lining up certain ways? I think the safety position has been one that Florida has struggled at for, you know, I mean, this isn't the first year you've seen struggles recruiting at safety. You've seen struggles playing at safety. So I think there is some fair talk there. Um you know, I know that it's been reported, you know, just linked here and there of Torian Gray to South Carolina. I haven't heard anything of substance to back that up. Obviously, just, I mean, we've seen the reports out there. But I think overall, if I mean, if you're on this defensive staff and you see the whispers or, you know, whatever out there of, or even just from the fan base, whether they're, you know, just them talking or whatever, just about Todd Grantham. I just don't know that if I'm a defensive coach on that staff anywhere that you see those kind of talks that I would just feel great about my job in general. You know, and I don't know if that's just a human nature thing whenever you see those things. Um, you know, I, I mean, even if, you know, you see one guy in your office get fired, you start to think, well, man, like, what's going on with me? What's going on there? So I just think that's human nature to have that. You know, yeah. will they make those changes? I don't know. But I, 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 don't, I think the secondary has had, you know, has had its fair share of struggles this year. So, I mean, if I had to pick somewhere on the defense there, I think that would be me. That, that'd no, be right and I agree with you. It, it, you know, it's one thing to point out the defensive tackle issues, but let's be honest. Those aren't David Turner issues. Those are right. That was something that he inherited. In, sure. In previous, you know, problems in recruiting. and they played great. You know, I mean, they lead the league or the SEC in sacks, I believe, or they're tied with Alabama or something at that point. Yeah, I mean, I they, they played well whenever Kyrie Campbell's there. If you're pointing to a unit that's improved from start to finish this year, I don't think there's any question the D line has gotten better week to week. So, you know, I'm good with that. I, I still wonder a little bit about the linebackers. You know, I, I think that Ventrell Miller has played really well, which gives me a lot of. Uh, reason for positivity I liked what I saw out of Josiah Pierre before he transferred you know James Houston I thought really in the Alabama game maybe played his best game so I liked I, Hopper whenever I saw him in the van I like him too well. so you know there's there's some Lingo's another things. guy borderline five star yeah and there, there's technique things here and there on defense that I think need to get cleaned up and I think a lot of you know a lot of that 
it's just hard. I don't know. It's hard for me to find out it because of the personnel issues. It's hard for me to be overly critical of the coaches. And again, that's where you go back to recruiting. Okay. Because they recruited these guys. So, you know, if you've recruited other guys that are younger and you're not willing to play them, you know, that there's some kind of issue there. You know, it, either you don't trust it, you're, you're overly favoring seniority, whatever it is. We need to see some changes. I think, um, I don't have the right answers for that, Blake, but you know, and that's, why, that's why Dan Mullen gets paid. And ultimately he's going to, you know, he's going to find out whether the decisions he makes this off season are right or wrong. One thing that obviously has to get cleaned up, Blake, uh, defensive tackle recruiting. We've been talking about it for a year and a half now. Um, Florida's going to have to hit the transfer portal there. Yeah, definitely. And you know, now that you mentioned that they actually have reached out uh, to a former uh, Penn State defensive tackle, Antonio Shelton. Uh, he's a former three-star recruit out of Ohio, signed with Penn State back in, I, I believe it was a 2016 cycle. Uh, he played four years there. Or no, he he had, he was a red. He's a red shirt. Uh, had his first year red shirt. So his extra year of eligibility, he's looking to use that at a school through the transfer portal. Uh, he entered the portal on December twenty third. Uh, some schools in Florida has. I, you know, I, I spoke with him yesterday very briefly. Um, you know, he said that he's heard from Florida a couple times. He's had some Florida coaches that have actually followed him on Twitter. Uh, you know, Grantham, uh, David Turner. He's heard from uh, Michigan. Uh, Arizona State, Florida State, or a couple schools that he's also heard from as well. So I think he's one of those interior type of guys, you know, maybe, uh, you know, kind of like a Tadaro Slayton sort of mold where he can play that one, he can play that zero. He's, you know, kind of a big guy that's going to move around in the trenches there. So, um, you know, I, I think that that would obviously be a good one for Florida where it, it's at the point where, you know, Florida has started to really put a lot of effort into that interior defensive tackle. You saw that this cycle with, you know, some guys at strong side defensive end, having a guy like Desmond Watson, who's kind of that big, you know, kind of nose tackle Terrence Cody type of guy. But they have a lot of those guys from the 2020 cycle that, you know, considering if you don't get a guy through the transfer portal, you're throwing in some sophomores or some redshirt freshmen or, you know, right. something to that effect. So I think it's good for Florida to get a guy that maybe only has one year or, you know, maybe two years at the max, something to that effect. Because I think in the ultimate long run, you're going to want those Javon Dexters, the Jalen Lees, those type of guys. You're going to want those guys to start stepping up for you. And I think getting a one-year guy, senior type of guy, seniority, I mean, I've heard, you know, just from kind of checking around and doing all my homework on a guy like Antonio Shelton, he's a guy that brings that leadership. And that's what you want to bring to that young group. You want a guy like that that is going to help you make that one-year bridge gap, can come in and do some things with his strength, knowing how to play the college game. But at the same time, you want someone that's going to be able to show the ropes to the younger guys and continue to get them, you know, kind of along in the go as you as you go through the season so I think ideally that would be really good for Florida to get a guy like that with some experience not too many years to where he clogs up your depth chart there and you can continue to get those younger guys that you've recruited on you know and get them you know kind of on the fly yeah I think that's exactly the kind of guy that Florida needs to be looking for you know kind of one year plug and play uh maybe doesn't you know maybe doesn't have the impact that a Jonathan Grenard does. I think and, you know, and Kyrie be... Campbell doesn't have those flashy stats either, but right. whenever you see what he does for the defense, I mean, you know that he's, right. his presence is there and it's, and it's helpful. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think you're going to get a superstar from the transfer portal. I just, I don't see that in the defensive line, particularly the interior. I think that's pretty rare. You know, I think Jonathan Grenard was a, a fairly rare exception given the wrist injury he had where he hadn't played for a year, you know, and then was able to pick it up and, and kind of pick up right where he left off. But uh, I do think Florida needs to add some guys there for exactly the reasons that you said, that you want some veterans there to be able to soak up some snaps so you don't have a true sophomore or even well, – I guess I guess he'd still be a freshman next year given the eligibility things. But, like, you know, Jervon Dexter, a second-year guy, playing, you know, 60, 70 snaps and, and being asked to kind of be an elite guy up front. So, um, Blake, let's shift over a little bit to basketball as we kind of close out the podcast here. Um Obviously, Florida has been off for quite some time. They spent 15 days 
off, canceled for, or I don't want to say canceled. They postponed four games. I'm not sure looking at the calendar when they'd be able to make those up realistically. Uh, but for now, they're postponed, obviously, in light of the, you know, the Keontae Johnson collapse. Um, so just to update everybody, listener-wise, that may not have been up on all the latest updates, Keontae is doing significantly better. We still don't have a full cause for the, um, you know, the, the collapse that saw him go down in that Florida State game. I think doctors are being very cautious to really try to pinpoint it as much as they can. And obviously his family has, has kind of said that they'll release things, you know, anything that could help other people in similar situations. Um, but they don't have any exact cause yet for his collapse. But they do know that he's doing significantly better. He's been released from the hospital, able to walk around, smiling, dancing. Uh, Mike White, we talked to him yesterday. He even said that Keontae has been back in the team facilities. Obviously, he's not practicing yet. No word on, you know, if and when that's even a possibility this year. But he's helping coaching up the guys. So, you know, I think everybody at Florida seems to be in much better spirits right now. We had a chance to talk to Noah Locke yesterday, Blake, and, you know, he, he kind of walked us through just the, the sheer emotions of it all. That, that, you know, even playing the rest of that Florida State game, now he kind of regrets kind of, you know, pushing on with it and, and saying that they wanted to play just because it was so such an emotional thing for them. Um, but I do think Florida has kind of regrouped at this point. I think that having Keontae around the facilities has really, really helped just kind of lighten everybody's mood. And I think Florida is, is kind of ready to get back into action on Wednesday against Vanderbilt. Now, Blake, obviously you wouldn't expect them to be in very good shape at this point. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be one of those things to where you saw in the Army game that Florida was kind of slow and sluggish there. Just the fact of how the season has kind of crept along, such a slow start. You know, you saw them get out of the gate pretty slow. Then you kind of get in the swing of things. Then you have to take another break again. So I'm interested to see uh, how they kind of fare and how they ramp, ramp things back up. Because, I mean, now you're getting to the part where, you know, these games matter. You know, you're in your conference games. This is where things start to pick up, and you want to be playing your best your best basketball and some time off can definitely bring in some rust considering the emotional ride that it got when you know, your teammate goes down, you have the holidays. There's just a lot of things that have happened. So I'm interested to see how they come out of that gate and, and if there are, is some more rust that they have to kick back off. Yeah, and I'm not expecting much. I mean, you're talking about losing the SEC preseason player of the year. So, you know, forget all the rust loss, and all that. Sure. You, I mean, you have one of your best guys that's going to be out. So Florida's going to have to figure out how they want to restructure the lineup and kind of do that. And I'm sure Mike White's put some thought into that. Um, but it'll be interesting. You know, I – I think everybody kind of would agree at this point that, you know, even if things don't go well, the most important thing is that Keontae's healthy. You know, I think as much as we put pressure on these guys and, and, you know, you know, fans want to see them win games and everything like that. I think, you know, this is a season where that kind of to some degree takes a backseat, you know, hopefully the guys are able to rally and kind of, you know, find some motivation in playing for Keontae. Uh, but at the end of the day, I would expect Florida is going to look pretty sloppy coming out. It may take them a couple games just to even get back from a conditioning standpoint, you know, that was something we talked to Mike White about and he said, Hey, we're nowhere near ready to play from a conditioning standpoint in the sec. And then you throw in the fact that they haven't even really been around a basketball for basically two weeks uh, up until Sunday. Um, you can expect Florida probably, you know, maybe a little bit rusty, but anyway, the good news is Keontae Johnson seems to be doing significantly better. So Blake, uh, unless you got anything else to add, I think we can kind of sign off there. Nope. I'm all good. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. We'll be back. Um, not sure exactly which day. Uh, we'll move to, in the offseason, a once-a-week schedule rather than twice a week now that we are kind of getting past football season. But we will have an episode breaking down the bowl game. Uh, we may wait a day or two to see if there are any staff changes. Uh, but we'll be back in the near future kind of breaking down everything that happened in the Cotton Bowl. Thanks for listening today, guys. That's going to do it.
baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.